My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Good morning. Uh, greetings to those who are online as well. As Pastor James mentioned, I'm Shane. I serve as the administrative pastor here. It's a delight to lead the next part of our worship gathering where we take a look at God's word together. You know, people and their stories, they fascinate me. It's a primary reason that I'm a pastor and I also as a counselor. And I'm particularly drawn toward people who are seeking God while navigating loss. Whether loss of a job, loss of a relationship, loss of a dream, uh, people going through divorce, death, uh, even those who are going through just normal life transitions, you know, empty nest, you know, retirement, things like that. However the losses come, losses are difficult and painful. Loss is also a normal part of life. All things come to an end. We just don't know when or how or why. And that often makes the loss all the more difficult and confusing and painful. A few weeks ago, golfer Tiger Woods reflected on the potential end of his golf career after a string of injuries and after going through a pretty serious car accident. You know, you may know that, that Tiger Woods was king of the golf world for a number of years, seemingly otherworldly in his talent, at least until his body began to fail him. And he had first one surgery and then another and then another. For a little while, it seemed like, you know, he, he was going to be able to get through that and even through all of that, and he was going to be able to still conquer everything. And, and he did for a while, you know, through the resources that he had available, through his sheer willpower and determination, it seemed like he was being able to get through all that. And he put off that, that sense of decline uh, for a while. But more recently, a different Tiger Woods has emerged one who seems to be coming to terms with his losses and maturing through them. You know, even when life is going well, even when life is successful, losses come. I mean, I think about, Pastor James mentioned a wedding yesterday and a funeral. A funeral we would look at as a loss, but even a wedding involved, involves a loss, loss of independence, loss of freedom. When you have a new baby, it involves a loss, you know, loss of sleep, you know, loss of sovereignty. Now the baby rules, right? Things like that. 
In the sports world, another well-known sports star, Tom Brady, the reigning Super Bowl quarterback, was once interviewed on the news program 60 Minutes. And at one point in the interview, it was as if a lament just kind of bubbled up out of nowhere, maybe even surprising him, and he blurted out, why do I have all these Super Bowl rings and still there's something greater out there for me? I reached my goal, my dream, my life, and I thank God there's got to be more than this. And you're thinking, I want his problems. <laughs> you know, the experience of loss isn't, isn't limited to athletes. It isn't even limited to our place in time. You know, I'm, I love to read history of all forms, uh, military history in particular, and in the character, the person Alexander the Great has long fascinated me. Uh, many people consider him the greatest general who has ever lived. He conquered all the known world at the time and in a pretty amazing ways. And, and when he had conquered all the known, the known world, he actually entered into a, a great depression of, uh, it's from, when people look back at time, they see this and, and you wonder why would he experience a depression? And it was because he had no more worlds to conquer. And he died shortly thereafter. And about now you're thinking, well, Merry Christmas to you too, Shane. Way to go all Grinch on us. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. Okay, that's me this morning. <laughs> Not really. It's still early in the message. I promise you I have a message of hope today. As I mentioned, I hear many stories of loss. And here's what I know to be true. Losses are all the more poignant and poignant, poignant and painful during the holiday season. As difficult as losses are to navigate in any time of life, it during the holidays, it's, it's more difficult because it seems like everybody else is all merry and cheery. And so I just wanted to know if you're here this morning and that's you, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you tuned in online. And I hope that you know that, that sunrise is a place that you're welcome no matter how you come in, no matter how broken you feel, no matter what you're going through. And I hope that you indeed find this a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Jesus wants to meet us in our losses. So even if you're not going through a loss this morning, I want us all to connect with this sense of losses in life as we consider today's characters in the nativity story. Because when Jesus arrived on the scene that first Christmas, he was born into a time of tremendous loss on a national scale. He was born into this people who had been living under an oppressive foreign power, and we're experiencing severe economic, political, religious, and cultural distress. This was a people who carried in their very DNA this promise from God that they would be great, experience greatness because they were his chosen people. But all their current circumstances didn't seem to measure up to the promise. It was as if they collectively were crying out to, where is this God? Does he care we're suffering? Sure doesn't seem like it because we haven't heard a thing from him in 400 years. Jesus was born into that collective cultural loss. 
Now get this, one of the titles that he's given, we know it well, it's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what I want you to understand this morning, kind of a theme for this morning, is, is as we talk about the story of Jesus in all of its different forms, we call it the gospel. The good news is what that means. Now pair that together, that Jesus came as God with us during this season of loss, and, and we can know that one aspect of the gospel is that in Jesus, God draws near to those who are experiencing loss. He's near to us in our weakness. He's near to us in our struggle. He's near to us in our pain. So in that first Christmas story, an unlikely group of people were the first to experience the nearness of God. And that was a small ragtag group of shepherds. And so those shepherds are our nativity characters for today. Now, when I mention shepherds in a, a place like this, uh, two different responses come to mind. Uh, first response would be from those of you who grew up around church or in other, other ways, you've, you know the Bible stories and you know that shepherds play a prominent role in the story of the Bible. What that also potentially means is that you may romanticize this idea of shepherds and consider them more important than they actually were. A second response would be for those who didn't grow up going to church, who don't know the Bible well, and you're wondering, why are we talking about shepherds? <laughs> Either way, no matter which perspective you come from, I can safely assume that most, if not all of us today, all of us tuning in online, have never actually met with, followed around, or talked to a shepherd. You can know that whether you're in Jesus' time or in the world today, shepherds are not people of prominence. Shepherds were and are easy to overlook. They are very low on the social hierarchy, looked down by, upon by pretty much everyone. Their work is low-paying, it's difficult, it's dangerous, it's uncomfortable. In other words, these are the kind of people God chooses. Well, one night... This particular group of shepherds were quietly going about their business when out of nowhere, they are the first to hear this, the good news that the savior of the world had been born. And the news came in a rather startling fashion. So we're going to pick up the nativity story in Luke chapter two, verse eight. It says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So there they were, minding their own business, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Just another ordinary moment in their ordinary lives. And then suddenly, I mean, can you picture this light just comes out of nowhere, pitch dark to full light. And their, their response was one of terror. I mean, can you imagine that happening? Picture yourself out there in the middle of nowhere. That would be rather frightening. But what a promise. What a promise. Good news that will bring great joy to all people. And what was that good news? Well, chapter, verse 11. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Savior, Messiah, Lord. The angel proclaimed that this baby 
was the long-promised, long-awaited rescuer who had come and saved them. Remember, this is a time of collected loss and suffering. God had been silent for 400 years. And yet this promise of a savior had been passed down from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. And with that promise came this enduring message of hope. Don't give up. One day, right, God will send a rescuer. I know it's hard right now. I know it's painful. But don't give up. Hang in there. Have faith. And then that long-awaited day arrived. God drew near. This was exceedingly good news. And right there in front of them, it was like a heavenly party broke out. It's like heaven couldn't even contain itself with the news. In verse 13, it says, Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now imagine after that angel dance party broke up and the night returned. Those shepherds kind of went, oh. Yawned and went back to sleep. That'd be absurd, right? I mean, they had just received really, really good news. God had drawn near to them. I mean, they're going to respond. So how do the shepherds respond? Well, God had drawn near to them. They choose to draw near to him and the promise by faith. And, and so picking up in verse 15, it says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. They heard good news that God had drawn near to them. They chose by faith to draw near to God in his promise. And this interaction between God and people is one that is repeated all through the Bible and, quite frankly, all through human history. The number one promise of God as you read through the Bible is, I am with you. And his number one invitation is, will you be with me? That's the question left hanging for us all through the Bible and all through human history. I am with you. Will you be with me? The challenge is, is we generally only seek the promise in times of loss and suffering. I mean, can we just admit it? When life's going well, we tend to forget God. I mean, it's like life's going well, it's... Kind of like, okay, God, you know, I'm good here. You know, you go, you know, do whatever else you need to do. You know, make some new stars, spin some new galaxies. You know, that's really important stuff. I'm good. Everything's going well. Until it isn't. And then our first natural response is, God, where are you? <laughs> right? This kind of like reminds me of that old saying, there are no atheists in foxholes. But the problem is, even when we want to draw near to God in our pain and our, and our loss, we want his help on our terms. We want him to draw near to us the way we want him to draw near to us. And the way that God draws near is rarely what we expect or think we need. We want his comfort. We want his power. We want his provision to take away the pain and suffering. And we want it now, Right? God draws near in a way that, that rarely we're looking for. God's provision is often unexpected, even unwelcome. I mean, think about the story we're looking at here this morning. I mean, imagine you're living in first century Israel. You're living under the fist of Roman oppression. 
You're crying out to God, where are you? Will you send a rescuer? And God does, and he sends the rescuer the help, and it's a baby in a food trough. This is your rescue? This is your help? This is how you draw near? So these shepherds, they, they, they could have stood around debating. They could have groused and complained about the injustice in their lives. They could have criticized God's timing and motive. They could have picked apart the logic of God coming as a baby. They could have doubted and wondered if angels had actually come at all, or maybe they just hit the fermented goat milk a little too hard, you know? Woohoo, what a night. <laughs> Can you believe that? Instead, they received the good news that God had drawn near. By faith, they chose to draw near to God by believing in the promises. And in doing so, they show us how we can respond to the invitation of God, especially during times of loss. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Hebrews eleven six. it says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Even when life doesn't seem to be cooperating. That's what those first shepherds did. They heard the promise that God had drawn near to them. They responded in faith by sincerely seeking him. Drawing near to him. And the result we see in verse, beginning in verse 17. After seeing him, the, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. They shared that good news to anyone who would listen. <laughs> After all, they had good news to share. Now imagine you're on the other side of the message. Imagine the shepherds come to you and they share with you the good news, right? Those people who heard it, they didn't see the angels. So these shepherds come to you and they say, you know, they start talking about this. Imagine the skepticism. So you're saying an angel, an angel spoke to you and said, God's Messiah is finally here. His rescuer is finally here. And you went and found him, and it was a baby in an animal food trough, and this is your good news? I mean, picture that. The shepherds didn't care. They, they just had good news to share. <laughs> it wasn't about them. It wasn't about logic. It was about promise and joy and hope. The life of Jesus began with this unexpected group of people sharing a very unexpected message of hope. Interestingly, that's the way the end of Jesus' life, the end of the gospel story, has a similar theme. So Jesus lives this perfect life, the life you and I long to live but can't, and then he died the death of a criminal on a cross, the death you and I deserve, but he did it for us, right? But imagine you're one of those early followers. You had placed your hope in Jesus as Savior, as Messiah, and then boom, he's dead as a criminal on a cross. Once again, loss, pain, confusion. And then Jesus rises from the dead. He appears among them. He says, peace be with you. Remember, he's called the, the Prince of Peace. Peace be with you. And then when he, he is, he's about to ascend into heaven, he says, uh, says now I have a mission for you. It's a mission you, you hear a lot about here on sunrise. Uh, sunrise. It's, we call it the Great Commission. It's found at the end of Matthew. 
It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. What's the number one promise in the Bible? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Once again, we see the promise and the invitation. I am with you. Will you be with me in the mission of redemption that I'm about going about in the world? So what are we doing? going to do with the story of the shepherds today? Well, first I want to take a moment again is where I started, and that is to speak to those of you today who are going through loss and pain during this holiday season. Maybe you're going through a divorce or recently went through a divorce. Maybe you're in the middle of seeking meaningful work and it just doesn't seem to come. Maybe this is your first Christmas after the loss of a loved one. Or perhaps you're going through a series of of issues with your body and procedures and, and it just doesn't seem to end. Just want you to know that God is near. And he's Number one invitation is, will you draw near to him? Will you, will, you, will you seek him in the midst of that pain and loss? Will you know that, that as he draws near, his, his heart for you is good? And though his provision may not be what you're looking for, you can know that it is good. I do also want to speak to you, to those in the room here where Life's going really well, because I know that's a lot of you as well. I mean, you got that job. You're, you're going to graduate with honors. This is going to be your baby's first Christmas. For some of you, you're going to Hawaii for Christmas. Life's good. And you know, all those things are good. They will also never fully satisfy your soul. God wants to draw near to you as well. He wants you to draw near to him as well. When life is going well, when we are most likely to forget him. How do we do that when life's going well? I'm reminded of what Jesus said in one of his largest blocks of teaching in Matthew chapter 6. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. The primary way that we store up treasures in heaven is to give away our treasures on earth. And so if life's going well with you this holiday season, I invite you to carve out some room in your heart. Carve out some room in your wallet. Carve out some room on your calendar. Specifically for those who are experiencing loss. My friends, this is how the church works. Some of us bring our loss. Some of us bring our brokenness. Some of us bring how God has provided for us. And we bring those things to each other. And you know, it's not an unequal exchange. It's not like those that life's going well somehow have something on those whose life isn't. In fact, one of the gifts we can bring the church during a season of brokenness is to bring our brokenness and to bring our faith, our willingness and our desire to draw near to God in the brokenness. And that is a testimony for those of us where life's going well. As I often do during my messages, I love to do, 
I'd love to share a story. Remember, I'm fascinated by stories of someone who's living out the truth of this message. Let's watch this together. You know, as I sit here in this room and, and, and recording this message, uh, I just have a flood of emotions that are, that are just welling up inside right now. Just how many years that um, I would come here and, and, and put on, a, put on that, that game face and, and, and yet inside I was so broken and I was just so miserable and, and, and just carrying a lot of hurt carrying a lot of pain that I just I didn't realize I was at the time you know there's there's times that I have in memories and playing on the worship team where just even on this this stage um, up here uh, for years and even during even some of the, the Christmas Eve services where I would I would show up and I'd be just so broken I'd just feel so alone and I would look out at the congregation and, and all these families and just these smiles and and just want so desperately to have what I was seeing. So I'd come here and I'd serve and, and I'd play and, 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 and yet I was carrying so much brokenness on the inside. I was, I was carrying a lot of weight from hurt and pain throughout my life. And, you know, it was, it was to the point where, you know, I, just, I was just going through the motions. It was, it was, for me, it was just, you know, you do everything you can each day to to make everybody feel like you're okay, you know, and just kind of keep people off. And, and during that season, I always remember, you know, I, I, I started using this phrase a lot that was, you matter. And I would say that to, to everybody. I would say, you matter, you matter. But what they didn't know was that every time I said, you matter, that was me just trying to cheerlead my own soul to a brighter day. I believed it for them. I just didn't believe it for myself. I found myself in the ER on August 19th, 2017. And, you know, I just got to a place where I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I started getting myself healthy. Um, and, you know, I started trying to understand, you know, the hurts and pains that I was carrying and went through complete health transformation and, you know, lost like about a hundred pounds. People always ask me, how'd you lose all that weight and keep it off? And I said, what do you think? You know, and they'd like determination. I'm like, no, it was forgiveness. You know, I, I wanted to change. I just didn't know how to change. And when you want to change, I think we do everything we can to try to change in our own strength. Or read this book, listen to this podcast, apply this, apply that. And what I learned is, is that when we try to apply things on faulty infrastructure, it's never going to be sustainable. What I found in time was is that I needed a new heart. And ironically, there I was on August 19, 2017 with some heart issues. God broke through. And over the next two months after that, he continued to break through. And he was taking my want to change. He was softening my heart. And he was turning it into this willingness to change. And that led to surrender to change. 
And so I walked through a season of forgiveness and letting go and letting God. And, you know, and all those, I'm seeing now on the other side of it, now four years removed, where my life has completely changed since really turning it over. I had a head, I had a head knowledge of Jesus. But during that season, that head knowledge did the 18-inch journey to my heart. You know, I look at myself now and just where I'm at in life and how much God has done in my life. And just, and he's just as he's drawn me nearer to him in this journey that I've been on, I, I come here even this Christmas and I just go, wow, <laughs> praise the Lord. And, and just to be here with what he's done with my life and my family and, uh, and just how he's redeemed me. And, and just feeling at, at the same time that, that, that responsibility now of just giving back what he's done for me and the comfort that he brought me in, in those darkest of hours. Second Corinthians chapter one talks about it. Just how many times do they say comfort? You know, he's been comforted. Now, now I'm excited because I get to get up every single day. And, and who can I encourage today? Who can I put my arm around today? And, and Lord willing, be able to, to provide comfort for them as Christ gave comfort to me. Yeah, thanks Gunnar for sharing your story. Gunnar's online right now and that's, uh, if you walk with him for long enough, you know that what you just saw there was genuine heart stuff. So my friends, if you come here this morning and you come with a broken heart, you're going through loss, I just want to, I just want to invite you to talk to somebody about it today here. Please don't leave here alone in your pain. At the end of our time together here, we'll have a prayer team that'll be up here available to talk to. Uh, That's one, or maybe it's just somebody near you. Maybe somebody you already know, maybe somebody you don't. Draw near to God by risking, by sharing your struggle. And if you're here today and life's going well, I invite you as well to draw near to God by praying and then asking God, how can you share from what's going well Maybe though someone in need. Would you pray with me? So Jesus, we pray, believing and sitting at the right hand of God, alive today, one day to return, to take away all pain and loss. You say there will be no more sorrow, no more tears. All will be new. And until then, you tell us you will draw near to us in our pain and in our and our times are going well. And so we invite you this morning. I just invite you into all of our stories. Would you meet with us? May we know it's you meeting with us in whatever form it comes. And may we see that it is good news that you bring. We pray, believing, hoping in the name of Jesus. Amen.